This is the Stand Up DJ Podcast, Episode 3. You see here, kids? You gotta just go for it. Don't think about what comes after or what came before. And you might think, what if I fall? Well, what if you fly? Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Stand Up DJ podcast. In this episode, we've got our first comedian guest, Sashi Pereira. As a part-time comic, full-time lawyer, Sashi Pereira takes us through her journey into the world of stand-up comedy. Back in 2017, Sashi first stepped onto the stage in Australia's largest open mic competition, The Raw Comedy, as part of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. And funnily enough, I still can't remember if it was the year that I did it or if I did 2018, but it's a great competition. Um, If you've ever thought about doing comedy, highly recommend it. Raw Comedy is a great way to get on stage and, and try out any material. And um, Sashi was kind enough to walk us through her process in terms of getting on stage, the the, the overcoming the fear, and um, just some general techniques for for working through her material. As a full time uh, lawyer, which she's been done doing for almost a decade, um, Sashi also talks us through her different involvements in um, different comedy groups, such as the Breast of the Fest cast. Um, she was a Raw Comedy State finalist, as well as a scholarship student at the Improv Conspiracy, which we do mention as a couple of guests. Adam uh, Kangas and Laura Buskus, which I do interview uh, in a couple of episodes from now, so be sure to check those out as well in the future once they're out. But for this episode, Sashi does take us through her first steps into the world of comedy, and we learn about her experience across stand-up comedy, open mic nights, and improv, and discussing those various differences um, between the the different types of comedy as well, and the the motivation that, that she uses to get get inspired to essentially start and i'm confident this conversation that we have will give you a spark of inspiration and a bit of motivation to hopefully take the leap into comedy if you've ever thought about it as well so over to the episode tell me your name and a little bit of an introduction sure my name is sashi Pereira. I am a lawyer. I um, am b- was born in Sri Lanka. I grew up in Perth and moved uh, to Melbourne after working overseas as a refugee lawyer for some years. And I have been doing comedy since 2017, so about three years now. Wow. Have you? Did you find a lot of crossovers in law and comedy? <laughs> I didn't, but it's uh, quite strange how many lawyers turn in c- become comedians and really? how many comedians become lawyers. Yeah, like um, I found this out recently, but you know Corinne Grant, who was yes. on Road Live? Yeah, yep. she's a lawyer. Now. Really? Yeah. She's a lawyer now. She's a lawyer now. She okay. went the other way. Wow. Yeah. I wonder what it is about the public speaking and addressing people. And Yeah, I think uh, you become quite comfortable with public speaking and talking about issues in like a very succinct way, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, perhaps we just like attention. I'm not sure. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to a friend the other day and, you know, I was like, she, I go, how are you enjoying COVID at the moment? And she's like, I'm loving it. I'm loving the isolation and lockdown. Yeah. And I said, me too. Maybe I'm, I'm really an introvert and like a, a lock-in person. I'm like, thinking about it, stand-up comedy and DJing, 
they're both quite isolated. It's like <laughs> you're on your own up there, you don't up on need the stage. Anyone else? Yeah. No. And so you've been doing comedy since 2017. Um, would you like to tell me a little bit about, I guess, how it all started out? I think it's a sort of pretty interesting how you you found your way and um, what you were doing before stand up as a bit of a duo. Uh, yeah, I um, when I moved to Melbourne, I kind of really needed a break from what I'd been doing, and I was talking to a lot of friends when I got over here and I really love Melbourne as a city because I feel like everyone's something by day and something else by night. So you have people who are comics and musicians and I met a female welder one time. I didn't even know what that meant, but um, it turns out she made rings, which was really cool. And um, I heard about raw comedy and I went to see a lot of comedy gigs. A friend was working for Triple M at the time, so she got all these free tickets to comedy nights. I went to see Nazim Hussain. I thought he was amazing and um, first Melbourne Comedy Festival and that I'd been to and uh, yeah, decided to sign up for Raw Comedy and got through to the state final. So that amazing. was quite good. So Raw Comedy, for those who don't know, essentially is like a, an entry into the world of comedy? It is. It's anyone can sign up. Literally anyone can sign up and um, it's a nationwide open mic competition um, that was won by the likes of Josh Thomas, Hannah Gatsby, um, a lot of other comics came up through that competition. And yeah, so I was very surprised. I, um, the day before my heat, I, um, which was in December 2017, I um, actually, no, sorry, I signed up and just, who cares? I think <laughs> I, I, I actually did a, yeah. a raw heat as well. And I'm trying yeah. to think if it was 2018. Because it wasn't last year. Maybe it was the same I, year. Yeah, I signed up in December 2017, but then the heats were all like starting in like January fe- yeah, 2018. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't make it past the first round, so well done yeah. for making it to the state finals. <laughs> That's a huge you. achievement. Uh, it was, you know, it's, it's quite surreal when you're practicing into your hairbrush before you go to a heat and then you get through. And I didn't know anyone. I didn't tell anyone that I was mm. doing it. I was too nervous. I you thought, didn't go with any support at all? No, just because I terrified. just... Yeah, I was too terrified. I thought, <laughs> what if I'm horrible? I don't want anyone else that I know to see that. So you hadn't done any stand-up? You hadn't jumped on stage? You were just like, I'm going to jump straight Nothing. into Raw? Wow. Yeah. I don't realise... I, I don't think I realised what a big deal it was at the time. It was just something I had been wanting to do for so long. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lucky way to have your first gig, actually, because um, your average open mic night will only have a, f- a, couple, a handful of people there, whereas this is a very supportive audience, all there to watch comedy. I think there were like 30 people there on the day. Um, so it was kind of, yeah, what was your first heat like? Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. It was, yeah. very, it was very fun. Like I'm similar sort of background. Like I'd loved stand up and loved comedy and always wanted to give it a try. And I think I'd just been to so many open mic nights and it gets to a point where you're like, I'm sure I could do this. Exactly. And then, you know, I stuck around and, and chatted to comedians here and there and they're like, I think it was Dave Hughes. And he's like, just give it a go, mate. Just yeah. give it a go. I'm like, <laughs> nice. all right, I'll come down. And um, I did an open mic at uh, Red Duck. Uh, it's just a little bar in Paran. They okay. have an open mic. And like you said, it was a small room, like 12 people and mostly comedians. So you s- it's still good. And then the, the raw comedy... I can't remember where I saw it. I'm just I'm just going to give it a crack. And um, like you said, very supportive, um, but a lot of other funnier people than myself. So I think they, oh, they made yeah. it through. But yeah. Um, yeah, how did how did you find it? Like the the first like, tell us about your first laugh. Like when was it? I, I was 
absolutely terrified. I remember um, because at the heat, they let you go test the microphone one mm-hmm. by one up to the stage. And that was the first time I, it clicked that, all right, this is happening. I'm going to do this. Um, I don't even remember the first joke I made, to be honest. Um, I do know that I talked about Super Mario and Bitcoin and a bad date that I'd been on. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty pretty good topics. I just yeah. did the, the standard, like, tell me a bit about yourself, make a joke about my last name and where I grew up, like, real nice. basic sort of stuff. But um, that's, that's pretty interesting. So, raw comedy, would you recommend it to n- people just starting out? Like, I would recommend it to anyone who's interested because I think if you hear about um, something like this and there's anything in you that says, oh, I'd like to try that, that's quite um, a unique thing because most people say that sounds like my nightmare. So if there's anything that makes you want to do it, you should definitely go do it. I think it's one of the um, or number two most fears. I can't remember number one, but people's biggest fears are like public speaking. So doing public like stand-up comedy is um, a huge achievement. And then, so more recently, you've gone into the world of improv comedy? Yeah, that was again through stand-up actually. So um, the Improv Conspiracy does this show on Saturday nights called The Remix, and they have um, a comic come in and tell a couple of stories, and then off those stories, um, the, the group or the ensemble that's performing that night do some improv comedy based off your stories. And that's the first time I'd come across improv. I thought it was absolutely brilliant and ridiculous. And yeah, I was hooked after that. See, I didn't know too much about improv, but um, I was lucky enough to get invited to speak to uh, some of the people who run it. Um, So how did you first come across improv or the improv conspiracy and the differences between stand-up comedy and improv? Yeah, um, a friend uh, who had seen me do stand-up was heavily involved with the improv conspiracy so she recommended me as a storyteller for the show Mm -hmm. and then um, they said come down have a look at what's involved so they comped me and a friend to go watch this show and it was ridiculous like I couldn't believe everything was made up on the spot like I'm quite a control freak so the idea of getting on stage without knowing what was going to happen sounded like a nightmare Um, But they made it look really, really fun. And that's the thing about improv, you kind of have to get into it because some of it's terrible because if it's it's made up on the spot. But when it goes right, it's just magic. You don't, yeah, it's an incredible form of comedy. (laughs) I mean, like my only limited experience with improv has uh, been through TV, I guess, the Whose Line Is It Anyway? And through now, the other episode where we recorded um, with Laura and Adam at the Improv Conspiracy, hearing about that and Laura sort of gave me the rundown of it. Um, Yeah, because with stand-up, I guess it's a very sole, individual kind of storytelling process. Did did you find that differs a lot to improv? It seems more of a group setting. Greatly, uh, yeah. So with stand-up, it's just you and the number of minutes that you've prepared, everything's completely in your control. And that's great if everything goes right. Um, sometimes it goes terribly wrong and you have no one to lean on when that happens. With improv, you're with a partner or with a whole team and the stuff that you come up with it's you know it takes a lot of trust I think to step onto a stage and trust that someone else is going to be funny and you're not the main act like you're supporting them and you're you're all making something funny it's I find it much more fun teamwork wise Mm. yeah is that that was even one of the the rules or, or guidelines that we spoke about um 
not even meant to try to be funny, right? Like it's sort of... No, a lot of... Yeah, (laughs) you have no idea what's going to happen when you step out on stage. And a lot of the times, the things that end up being funny, people were not trying to be funny at all. How does that come through? Is it just like you're just surprised by where your brain goes and you're just the... Because it starts with a theme, like someone gives you a suggested topic and then you just run with it and you build on it with the yes and and then... Yeah, yeah. And it's really hard in the beginning because when someone says pineapple, all you can think of is a pineapple, but you've got to make your brain think a little bit more laterally and, you know, I don't know, you might start a scene where someone's cutting up some fruit or Mm. something. Um, Yeah, it makes your brain think very laterally. I remember my first couple of improv classes, I found it really difficult because when a prompt came, you're supposed to think around the prompt, but all like, like if you said mosquito, all I could think of was mosquito. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Have you found that lateral thinking has been able to extend into other areas of your life, like with working as a lawyer or like other public speaking things and even stand up? Has has that improv practice helped develop your, your, like, outside of the box thinking definitely i think um, not just lateral thinking but just relaxing and knowing that everything doesn't have to be perfect i would get so stressed out before a stand-up gig because i would think that if i didn't deliver it absolutely perfectly it would not go off well mm-hmm. and that's just not true most people at comedy just want to laugh like it's easy if you just relax and i think i that's that was a huge gift that improv gave me that's a conundrum in itself when someone's like just relax like you you can't there's all these people looking at me (laughs) oh you put yourself up there on stage so um some of the best improv um that i've seen at the improv conspiracy theater sometimes a guy can walk on stage or a girl can walk on stage and just do nothing but cut carrots and they'll make it funny so once you see that you just realize how little it takes to actually make people laugh so there's a bit more of a theatre aspect to it by the sounds of it. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, which you can bring into stand-up as well. It seems to be a lot more of that cross-pollination that, that I'm hearing about now because, you know, a few years back and, uh, you know, growing up, improv wasn't really a thing in Melbourne and, like, that I was aware of at least. Um, but, again, talking to, to Laura and Adam, they, they've talked a lot of that sort of cross crossover. Are you finding the... Um, I don't know, the camaraderie and the sort of team building through um, improv and that, that sort of scene is is helped build your confidence as well? Definitely. It made me a much more confident performer. And also the stand-ups that I met at improv, I've become quite close with in the stand-up community okay. as well. So you start building a bit of your, a community for yourself there yeah, right. as well. Okay. I think, um, you know, you will meet stand-up comedians who hate improv and improv comedians who hate stand-ups because they're two very different forms of comedy that – sometimes you know people aren't happy to go back and forth between but for me I think they really I'm not sure that I'd be doing stand-up if not for improv I just don't think I would have been able to build my confidence to the level that it's at today right and I think we sort of touched on it um and I think in one of the articles you sent me where you spoke about fragile confidence or, or how fragile it felt and overcoming that that sort of fear when you've started out um in comedy because it it is quite a vulnerable art form like you're putting yourself out there and you're being on the stage have have you found that confidence has been tested and like even when you do bomb it is it is going to happen like it's got to happen you know it's part of putting yourself out there how do you build on that confidence make yourself stronger and how do you overcome 
when you do bomb like it's bound to happen so i yeah i spent a long time being terrified of bombing because i think i had um i was very lucky when i first started out and had quite a good run and i was just getting more and more scared of bombing <laughs> every time and then when it did happen uh it was kind of like all right well that's the worst possible thing that could happen when i'm on stage it's not that bad lived through it Let's get on with it. What did you do? Like, tell us about it. What was the... Do you remember the joke that bombed or, oh, like, the setting? so terrible. Well, the issue was um, I was actually in Tanzania and a friend was running an open mic stage there and she said, you're here on holiday, come come do a set. And, like, comedy in Tanzania is very different to comedy in Australia and I tried to do the same set, which was stupid, <laughs> and nobody laughed. Like, I was talking about doors and revolving doors and automatic doors and it's a set that has never, ever failed me. And no one laughed um, except for a few friends and I think those were pity laughs. Actually, wow. I know those were pity laughs. <laughs> and it was awful. But I think what I see comics do sometimes when they're bombing is they start blaming the crowd, which is the worst thing you can do, where you're like, come on, this is funny. Wow, tough crowd. It's like, no, just finish your set. Get off stage. Really? You don't? You don't yeah, just, really? Yeah, maybe cut it short if okay. you really can't bear it, but just accept that it's a bad one mm-hmm. and that's okay. It's going to happen to everyone. Don't turn on the crowd. Do never turn it on the crowd. No. Like It's not their fault that they don't find you funny. Yeah, exactly. When you mentioned when you started out, you you know the difference between standing on stage and getting on a mic and practicing at home in a in a hairbrush or what whatever it is. Do you have any other techniques for practicing, like aside from being up on stage? Like my favorite one, because the hairbrush and the mirror, like it, <laughs> it's like singing into a hairbrush. It's not really the same thing. Um, what I found really, really helpful because I don't like writing down jokes is using the voice recorder app on your phone. Mm-hmm. So you're just kind of delivering it over and over and over again, listening back to yourself. And it took me about a year before I started um, recording my sets because I just didn't want to know. But actually, it helps you so much in understanding um, what worked, what didn't, how to pace, um, whether to talk faster and slower and things like that when when you hear the things that the crowd, the crowd laughed back at, that's super useful. So in terms of that, I'd say record yourself and mm-hmm. record your sets. It's so, the best thing you can do. Great tip. And do you ever like video yourself at home and practice your delivery? I can't do no, it. Can't do I, it's it, fine. It's too painful. I can't do it. Um, the best I can do is record on my phone just mm-hmm. on the just with the voice recorder because I'm just too awkward a human with the video. It's just, yeah. <laughs> and you don't you don't write your jokes down? Uh, I don't enjoy them, no. So I just have, um, I, I find it very difficult if I've wrote, written them down word for word. So I'll have the keywords and know where I want to go. Sure. Um, and with a set, when you're building it, you can have the links. So you'll have the keywords that you're supposed to hit. And when you practice it enough times with recording, um, I find it much easier. Have you forgotten a joke, like mid mid set, or like forgotten forgotten a connector? I'm a perfectionist. Really? Okay. <laughs> yes. So it's just practice, repeat, practice, practice, repeat. practice, yeah, practice, yeah, yeah. practice. And I think um, you know when people get on at comedy nights, they make it look so easy, but that is practice. No one's sitting there winging it. I don't think, unless they're very very special. Or trying new material and yeah. they might just be like just, you know, usually refer to a note or some jo- jotted down notes on their palm or something. Yeah, and you'll see people with like jotted down notes. That's fine. Like totally. li- Whatever works for you is fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I remember the first big stand-up I saw was Eddie Murphy Delirious. And I was like, how is this guy delivering <laughs> like over an hour of comedy? And I'm like, and I was at a young age and I'm like, no, he hasn't rehearsed this. He's just riffing. Yeah. And I was like, no, this is actually very well practiced, very like delivered over and over again. And you hear it, comics talking about that practice, how essential it is. Um, so now you've had gone from raw comedy. You've had a few shows. Um, obviously this year the comedy festival didn't run but um yeah tell us about some of those shows you've had during the comedy festival in the past and some of the fringe shows as well so the comedy festival was going to be my first comedy festival so that was a huge bummer um Mm. and the way that i found out was i was actually overseas and um i'd been on a very long hike with my boyfriend and um we came back into wi-fi after like a week off the internet and everything had been cancelled. Yeah, wow. Um, so that was a massive bummer. Um, but, yeah, so I did a show for Fringe Festival, which was a lineup show, and that was by two guys who, had, the, specifically their brief for it was an inconvenient comedy show. And they were very specific in that they wanted the comics to punch up, not punch down. And uh, yeah, I had no idea what that meant, so I had to go Google that and... I'm, I'm admitting the same when I first heard a punch up, not punching down. Do you want to give us a sort yeah. of overview of what that means uh, I f- in terms of comedy? Or? What is it? What does it mean? God, I should have Googled that before, but it basically means don't attack people that have a rough enough time already. Sure. Um, we, I started, we can talk about this later, but with the workshops that we run now, we say with the comedy that you do, think about who it makes a joke out of and make sure that you're okay with that. Sometimes that might be you. Sometimes that might be minorities. Um, it, it just, as long as you're, understand that who that joke is going to hurt and make sure that you're okay with it because it probably means you're going to get some backlash and as long as you're okay with that, that's, sure. yeah. So the notes that I had down um, in terms of some of the workshops or, or what you were talking about there um, in terms of diversity or inclusivity and uplifting um, so Punch-Up is around that idea, um, the notes that I had. Um, yeah, more uplifting comedy rather than using comedy at someone else's expense. And like you said, unless you're okay with that and okay with facing backlash. But um, why do you think that's important, like that, the more diversity in, in it and maybe talk about how your comedy um, was almost hindered because you said growing up there was you know it was mostly a a white male dominated space and and how that sort of changed yeah and i mean they were great comics they were white male comics but they were really really funny god like john cleese and rowan atkinson got through me through most of my childhood years robin williams jim carrey robin williams jim carrey exactly but when you grow up watching that you just it just doesn't even occur to you that you could do comedy and I guess that's what diversity and inclusion and that's that's all it is. It's not saying that some people are better at comedy than others. It's just saying that everyone can have a go. And it just doesn't even occur to some people to have a go. And I think that's changing now because of so many big hitters on there now. We've got, we were talking about it before, but yeah, Mindy Kaling, Ali Wong, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, like they're just, they just broke all these barriers and made comedy a really exciting time for women. Um, I just saw um, Hannah Gadsby's um, Netflix special I haven't well. watched Douglas yet. Uh, I actually hadn't seen that one, her, her first one. Nanette. I only just got around to that one. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. Like just, 
you just wow really powerful powerful stuff yeah um forgotten where I was going. Oh, sorry, I, <laughs> sorry. I totally cut you off. We're just talking about <laughs> no. breaking, breaking through the, the <laughs> barriers okay. and yeah, just, just opening it up and being more in- inclusive and, and basically saying that anyone can give it a go. I think that's all it is. It's just if you want to do it, just go do it without looking for someone to give you permission to do it because no one else got permission either. They just kind of gathered the confidence and stepped up on the stage and did it. Um, yeah. Do you think it's... Um, I mean, the appeal for me was that I grew up with comedy and, and loved watching it, like Eddie Murphy, Raw and Delirious and the, the comics we just mentioned as well. Um, even if people think I'm not funny or, you know, you think really anyone can can be funny? Like- I genuinely think you can, yeah, because I think a lot of people look at other people and think I could never be that funny and maybe your form of humour is different and looking and listening to different forms of humor is kind of what the world needs it's just if you've just been hearing the same stuff for a long time you kind of need a few new voices in there and with your um one of your articles you sent through just freaking try is that that (laughs) sort of your your ethos of of giving a boot up the ass to to anyone is just just give it a go i wish someone had given me a boot up the ass earlier (laughs) you know like it took me until i was 30 to try comedy even though i loved it i devoured it um and it just took me until i had kind of nothing left to lose to get up on stage and give raw a go and i just thought if i'd started when i was earlier which I might have if I was a guy with more confidence. Maybe, or yeah. maybe it's just—it's also overcoming. You know, like, like you said earlier, what's the worst that could happen? You, yeah. d- you don't get a laugh, and you know, I think it's much better to give it a try. And even if you don't get a laugh, be like, "Cool, that was fun." Like the rush of like standing up on stage, and when you do get that first laugh, when you hear the audience, you're just like, "It's such a rush," and then oh. you can just let loose and. Even if it doesn't laugh and you make a joke and be like, well, that one didn't work and you might get a laugh out of that. Yeah. Or then it might be another night and the same joke that didn't land before lands on that night. So it is about that practice, repeat and give it a try. Yeah. Um, And it might not, like you said, it might not work out the first time and that doesn't mean you're not good or that you're not going to be better. Um, It just, it's, there's no big secret. Everyone's, it's just practice. Take the leap of faith. Yeah. I wanted also to ask you, um, reading through your the links that you sent me, you seem to have a few food insults. Um, you wrote, um, <laughs> like, talking to you. I'm like, do you swear on stage? Is it, are you, do you do PG or G-rated humour? I do swear on stage, okay. but um, definitely not a lot, I'll give I think. You, I'll give you context around that because the, yep. the two things I wrote down were um, when you're talking about yourself and almost talking yourself out of the raw heat, you wrote, um, get a kebab, you lemon, calling yourself a lemon. <laughs> and the other one when you're talking about um, having a bad gig at a bar with a heckling omelette head. So I'm like, is that is that a thing that you have food, food insults? I or? think I try not to swear too much, especially in articles, just because, I don't know, um, I mean, Seinfeld never swore in his stand-up and he said that he did that for himself because he um wanted to set himself a challenge like could he still be funny if he didn't swear swearing does make things funnier it It does make things funnier but it can also divide your audience a little bit as well. exactly and um i just remember reading that and i thought huh interesting i wonder if i could try that um and it has made things more interesting and yeah it doesn't mean i don't swear though definitely yeah my friends 
who hopefully will not listen to this podcast will write <laughs> oh, in and say that I <laughs> swear a lot. Please share it around. I yeah. want your friends listening. Um, <laughs> So we've pretty much covered a lot of your background and I think, again, just the, the sort of the, the gender and the race thing you, you mentioned, I think that's really important that it, I was talking to uh, another guest um, when we were talking about her experience in the, the DJ world and how it's not just, you know, she was talking about being a female artist, but now it's not, you know, I'm, I'm doing well because I'm a female. She wants to be, I mean, most people should be, I'm, I'm doing well because I'm good at my craft. Like you're seeing, you know, when you say more diversity and more inclusivity, it's just opening it up and allowing the space to, to let more people in and just say you're funny because you're doing it, not because you're this or that. And I think I find the labels very difficult because, uh, for, for example, I remember at the Raw State Final, there was a guy that came up to me and he definitely meant well, but he said, you know, anytime you want a, a gig at this um, gig that he ran, he said it's really hard to find brown women to put on lineups. So anytime you want a gig. And I, and I remember just feeling a bit, weird about that because Mm. I thought I want to gig because I'm good I don't want to gig because I'm a brown female and then I was talking to a friend who's a musician and he's a straight white male and he said look just because you get it doesn't mean that you're going to be um he said use every leg up you can get but don't be shit (laughs) (laughs) okay fair enough it's uh, like if you can if you do get the opportunities get the opportunities any way that you can but make sure that you're going to be good right yeah and that just comes through practicing practicing your material and when you do get given the opportunity take take it you know yeah take it because i mean you those spaces i made like with the uh, improv conspiracy theater i'm now um, studying with them on a diversity scholarship and i felt really weird about applying for that as well but the reason that they're making those spaces for more diverse students and more diverse comics is to increase the diversity of comedy. So why not take that opportunity, right? So what? Definitely. Yeah. And, and well done for the receiving the um, scholarship. How did how did that come about? Like, and what's it for exactly? Um, so with that, they have um, a diversity. They have a number of different scholarships, but their diversity one is if you're um, if you are diverse, I can't remember what the criteria for that is, but I like I was they wanted more brown students, maybe. But was it, no, I'm sorry. What, what I meant, what do you get out of it, not how do you apply? Like, right. I was like, how do I be diverse? No, is it like how a is it, <laughs> is it for a year of um, like coursework? Yeah, or is it how it works is um, you get the first level free. Mm-hmm. And then it's continuing. So if you pass the first time, you get to the next level. And um, it's kind of free free courses the oh. whole way, as long as you pass the first time. Okay. So I'm just about to start level five now, wow. which is yeah, really cool. Yeah, because I think you're on the level four, um, what's it called? The, um, the kind of improv um the showcase oh harold harold that that's what i was thinking of yeah the, the harold is that a style of improv yeah so level four is harold and then once you pass out and audition you get onto the harold teams which i'm nowhere near yet but um yeah so you start studying the harold at level four 
Cool. Okay. Yeah. And then level five, when does that workshops are starting back? Um, yeah, so that's so exciting because I think the whole comedy community has been exper- experiencing a lot of... Mm. Uh, it's been rough. It's been rough. And I know that a lot of people have a lot rougher. I'm lucky that that's not my primary source of income. So I've been really feeling for comics out there. Um, but yeah, it's so I think they're starting up their classes in mid-June, which is really exciting. Okay. Well... All the best and best of luck for that. And hopefully we'll see you on stage soon. And um, you don't have any comedy sets online or anything like that that people can find you? Not yet. Um, We were talking about that, but yeah. Um, I I do have one thing to say about diversity and inclusion, actually, that has just occurred to me. I think I find it frustrating as a female, like a a woman of colour, you're expected to deliver certain material sometimes. I think when people hear that I'm a refugee lawyer, they expect, or was a refugee lawyer, they expect me to be a lot more political in my set. But for me, because I was talking about that during the day, the last thing I wanted to be talking about was that during the night. Like I just wanted to just talk about dumb, fun things <laughs> that made me forget how terrible the world is out there sometimes. How can you navigate the expectations of the crowd then and deliver on what you want and, you know? Yeah, I think I just had to start ignoring what I thought I should be doing and just do what I wanted to be doing. That's great. Have yeah. you? So when you say people had certain expectations, like were they coming up to you after the show or? I think I had a few friends who, like good friends who just said, you know, Sash, like it was a great, it was good comedy, but, you know, I'd love to hear some more about what you think about the political situation right now, about the issue or that issue. And I just thought, I don't, I don't want to, I don't find anything about it particularly funny. I have huge respect for comics who are able to do great political comedy, but it's just not somewhere I want to wade into. I think that's so like amazing that you you know your boundaries and know where you want to explore creatively and and not trying to do something that you might not be comfortable with. So yeah, that's that's great. Just freaking try, man. That's- Just freaking try. <laughs> yeah. Any other parting thoughts, comments, wisdom, or insights that you want to share before we sort of sign off for this one? Not really. Uh, well, you asked how um, about the pivoting for the future, how that might right. work out. Sure. So the comedy festival show that I was going to do was, it was called The Breast of the Fest, and it was with five other female comics, and we were all really looking forward to it. And we're thinking about now kind of pivoting to, given that, pubs might not be open for a long time and we might not be able to do shows properly for a long time kind of bringing the shows to people's houses so it'll be interesting to see if more comics do that because i think there's probably a large appetite for it uh yeah we've been throwing some titles around but we've been thinking house breasts is a good one yeah (laughs) have you um do you have a sort of crew website or it'll just be like maybe when once this goes live and you've got some links or more information i'll just be sure to share it yeah sure the the breast of the fest has a page already um so we'll be sharing things through there but yeah i think that might be our model going forward just because into people's homes and yeah, so, I mean, with the restrictions of 20, if you have a show of five people, that's 15 guests, which, let's be honest, is more people at, than at most open mic nights sometimes. <laughs> it's less people than a show venue, but it's still, I think, we're just 
chomping at the bit to gig. Yeah, yeah, I bet. And I think I've seen some comedians um, setting up like a Patreon and doing things like little workshops. So maybe there's something there. But, um, but yeah, I'll definitely keep an eye on it and be sure to keep us in touch. And thank you so much for joining us today. No worries. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And thanks for welcoming me into your home and, <laughs> and jumping on board and, and being a guest. So um, really appreciate it. And would you want people to connect with you online through your Instagram at all? Just or? Instagram. Yeah. At Sashbomb. That's the one. Okay. You put, I've found that interesting. You put bomb in your title. You just embrace the bomb. For embrace the bomb. <laughs> yeah. I was given the nickname a long time ago and I thought, you know what? That makes me sound far cooler than I am. I'm Sash going bomb. to embrace it. <laughs> nice yeah. one. Sashi, thanks very much for joining us. And uh, yeah, look forward to speaking to you again soon. No worries. Thanks. What did you think of that? Are you ready to start stand-up comedy? Or at least give it a try? Just freaking try, man. Just freaking try. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did chatting with Sashi. And uh, again, a quick thanks to Sashi for welcoming me into her home. Um, We sort of got connected just through me reaching out on various Facebook groups. Um, We didn't really know each other, um, but it turns out we had some mutual connections, which was pretty funny once we discovered that. But Sashi was very open and and very informative in the way that she delivered her um, insights into the, the world of comedy. So I'm very grateful for that. And I hope you, dear listener, enjoyed those insights as well. What were your favorite tips or tricks in in terms of getting started in comedy? Um, As I mentioned at the start of the show, I tried stand-up comedy uh, in signing up for the the Raw Comedy Heats. It was terrifying. It, it It was a lot scarier in my mind than what it was actually performing. The the Raw Comedy Heats were, were quite supportive. And if you've ever thought about doing comedy, um, obviously once this whole coronavirus thing is over and hopefully the comedy festival's opened up again, I do highly recommend giving it a go because it's a whole lot of fun. And as I mentioned again in the episode, that once you've got the, those first laughs or at least the first laugh um it is quite contagious as well so again thanks to sashi uh you you can connect with her um on instagram at sashbomb all of this information will be on the show notes at the website standupdj.com.au if you just follow the podcast to episode three with sashi and um i'll have all the show notes there with everything that we've discussed today in terms of trying out uh comedy the the different kinds of comedy in terms of improv versus stand-up as i mentioned as well we will be in uh interviewing the improv conspiracy uh, a couple of um people behind the scenes there laura and adam i'll I'll be talking to in future episodes be be sure to stick around and check those out in the the coming episodes once once they're live um and if you have enjoyed this please be sure to subscribe leave us a review on itunes Uh, be sure to sign into itunes if you have an account as all of that support especially in these early days of the the podcast really does go a long way and and i'll be super appreciative of that so um Again, check out all the show notes, um, Sashi's uh, interviews with Weekend Notes, the the Comedy Festival, her blog for the Improv Conspiracy. All of that is a lot of great reading. And uh, I really do hope you've enjoyed this show. Thanks very much for listening. And uh, until next episode, bye for now. <laughs>